That's what Jesus came to reveal, really, is he says, you know what, if you've seen me, you've seen the spirit of God, the, the whole triune God in a body. Well, and then, he, and then he says, you are in Christ, right? So if you're in Christ, and he's in you and I'm in him, is what it says, how much of the Godhead's in you? The whole thing, not just Jesus, not just the Holy Spirit. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So all creation, and so I'm just trying to give you an idea of what that looks like, what, what creation actually looks like. And so uh, let's just go through this. Let's just hit this first slide a minute. And I, I hit on this a little bit last week, but here's the Old Testament prophets trying to, they're getting glimpses of, of what this new creation looks like. What is this man? You know, the Old Testament, it says angels like striving to, to look into this idea of what this new mankind looks like. And so, but anyway, Isaiah says this, Isaiah 40, 12. Um, and the reason I put this is because I love the, I'm gonna show you some more of the Hubble telescope because here's what it says. So Isaiah's trying to picture what is God like? Who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hands? So what he's saying is all of the oceans and you know, they don't have GPS and, and globes and everything like we did is it was just this massive thing of water and they go, all of that water fits in God's hand and marked off the heavens with the span of his hand. How I kind of look at that is, so all of the galaxies, all the heavens, it's just like God goes, chunk, like palming a basketball, right? So even how vast that is, and we'll, we'll look at a few more of those Hubble telescope things, he can, he can palm it like a basketball. That's just, I'm a sports guy, so that's kind of like, he's like, as creative as all this is, he goes, I just hold it in the palm of my hand, just like that, which is pretty cool. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on a scale and the hills with balance? And then Psalm 8, this is David kind of pondering. God's so magnificent, if you read this, all of the heavens and everything else, he's like, as glorious as everything is, as the galaxies and the, the earth and the heavens, who, who am I that you pay attention to me? Because he look, looks how beautiful this creation is. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit or care for him? So he's really kind of going, all this amazing stuff of creation, yet you care about me? Right? And then God does one. These guys are getting glimpses in the Old Covenant, but then God does a one-up, uh, which I'll explain here in a minute. What is that man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit and care for him? And so for you, for you have made him a little lower than the angels. How many of you guys heard that? That's what it was translated, a little lower than the angels. In the Hebrew, it says a little lower than Elohim. It has nothing to do with angels. If you're the son of a God, you, a son of a, Bishop Oyedipo always used to say this, if a son of a goat is a what? A goat. A son of God is what? Careful. <laughs> that's why the Hebrews wouldn't even write it. So that's why it was such blasphemy when Jesus says, I'm, I'm just the son of a God. Your own scripture says you are Elohim's, which is really interesting. So a son of God gives birth to you. And that's what he's saying up there. Um, who's the son of man? And then Jesus asked Peter, you guys, I've, I've taught on that before. Who do you say that I am, Peter? Who is the son of man? That was the question. So all people that are birthed from man, how many of you guys were birthed from a mom and a dad? We were birthed from man. It says, who is that? And what was Peter's answer? The son of man is the son of God. He's going, your true origin, your true birth is God himself. And then Jesus got all excited. He goes, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. The spirit himself revealed that to you, which is really pretty cool. So anyway, for you have made him a little lower than the angels. In Hebrew, it literally says Elohim in the scriptures. And you have crowned him or surrounded him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. Is that talking about you and I? Yeah, it is, right? So then Colossians, we were talking about this uh, uh, last week, or the last two weeks actually, for in Christ. So in the anointed one or in the Messiah, literally, 
For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, everything God is, all of his fullness, dwells in bodily form. And you have been made what? Complete in the anointing. There's nothing lacking. See, religion's still trying to get us there, right? Do this, then this, then this. Then you can have the anointing. Then you can be blessed. Then you can have favor. All these things. But our starting place is where? In Christ. In him. Complete. Nothing lacking. That's literally what it says. Perfection. That complete in Christ. So guess what? All of you guys are complete in Christ. Nothing lacking. Isn't that good news? If we ever get a hold of this, which I'm trying to, and trying to get you guys to get a hold of this, Katie, bar the door. The whole earth... Paul says in Romans, is groaning, waiting for us to wake up and become sons of men. Not become, just realize we already are. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? So anyway, you have made, let's go back to Psalm 8. Here's David kind of pondering, because David still kind of has this idea that we're distant from God. And these Old Testament prophets still has this idea that God's somewhere over there, which most of Christianity believes, and we're separated from him and we got to figure out how to get back, which that's the lie of separation, Right? The only place it talks about separation is Colossians. It says, you were once separated where? In your mind. There was never a separation. There never could be. Anything that has breath has the breath of the Holy Spirit literally in it and through it and withholds all things. So anyway, you have made him, verse five, you have made him a little lower than the angels. And then Jesus, the new covenant revelation, are we a little lower than the angels? We're one. So these guys are getting glimpses in the Old Covenant. They're kind of picturing, gosh, you know, who is mankind? And some, sometime the Messiah is going to appear in all this. And they're getting it. Hey, we, there's no way we could be a, a, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, could we? That's what they're thinking, because they wouldn't even write Yahweh. or they, It was too sacred. They couldn't do it. And then Jesus comes along, throws everything out of whack, and goes, no, no, I'm, you guys are the bride of Christ, and you're one with me. I'm in you, and you're in with me. And we're one. We're not separated. You're not a little lower. You're created in what? In his image. Literally. You guys get that? So if you're a joint heir of Jesus Christ, are you a little lower than him? No, you're a joint heir. It's a legal term. It's, it's a business term. You mean co-equal, right? Is that pretty cool? I think that's pretty cool if we ever get our hands on that. So Colossians 2.9, for in Christ, in the anointing, you know, in the Old Covenant, like I said, everybody wanted to, to get the anointing. Everybody wanted to have oil poured on them. And then Jesus comes and gives them a shocker and says, no, 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 it's going to come from where? From within. Rivers of living water. So anyway, hey, you're not created a little lower. You're one. There's one spirit, one body. You're the bride of Christ. You're the son. You guys got it? All right, next slide. I, I, I love this stuff, so I had to pull a couple more. So this is all Hubble telescope stuff. And we talked about this. I'm just trying to get you, like Isaiah's talking about, hey, who, this God that can palm the galaxies with his hand, all that creation. So the speed of light's 186,000 miles per second. So every second, one 1,000. You went around the earth seven and a half times. My brain doesn't go there. Like, even your scientific calculator, it tilts, Right? A better number is 670 million miles per hour. That's fast, right? Chad and Beth, you would have gotten to Pagosa faster. <laughs> I know you went there. So that sounds really good, though, doesn't it? Because I remember all the signs coming back from London. It says, get there before you leave. If you took the, uh, what was that? The, the Concord, yeah. So get there before, uh, like, 
thousands of years before you left, you know? That's kind of neat. So this is called Mystic Mountain, and it's 75, so think about that. Every second, or every hour, let's just use that, every hour, light travels 670 million miles. And a light year is the distance that that light travels in a complete year. I have no idea how many hours are in a year. I'd never figured that out, but it's a lot, right? Even times 24 in a day, what is that? That's like uh, one and a half, 1.5 billion, right? Miles? Did I do that right? Yeah. Close. I used to be an engineer. So that mystic mountain is 7,500 light years. So in 7,500 years, that distance, that light travels at 670 million miles per hour. And that pillar, the big, the big one, is three light years in height. I'm just trying to get you scale. And then it says, everything that God is, is in you. I'm trying to show you, you and I, our creative ability. Is that pretty cool? If this vastness who God is, who can span the universe with his hands, yet he goes, everything that I am is in you. So let's go to the next one. I just want to show you one more. I could spend days with the Hubble telescope stuff. If we hit that next slide, it's pretty cool. That's, that's called the butterfly nebula. In the middle there, is, it's a dying star that's shooting out this gas. It's like the, here's what's really crazy about all these things. By the time we see it, it no longer exists. The, if you, the, because that's 4,000 light years in distance from the earth. So think about that, guys. Is All of that distance, all of that vastness, that creation, that's what King David was trying to get his arms around. He's like, the heavens are so magnificent and you care about me more than that, and you're one with him. And so all of that creative ability that creates this, that breathed all of that into existence, when you breathe, what's happening? If we really understand it, when we breathe, everything that has breath, when we speak, when we do things, we're creating. We're literally creating, guys. That's, who, that's how creative we are. So anyway, I've, I just think just all these big numbers, you know, Scripture says all creation speaks of the glory of God, and you're really his main thing. He's like, as much glory as all of this is, you still are for the display of my splendor. You're the glorious one that I'm really after. I'm just giving you a visual with all the galaxies and everything else to show you how loved and valuable you are. That's cool to me. So the center of that star, they asked, I don't know how they get this stuff. I guess they do. They read it somehow. But the center of that dying star is estimated to be 250,000 degrees Celsius. It's a lot. What's that in Kelvin. Our engineering stuff. Do you remember that, Michael? <laughs> I never heard about Kelvin until I went to the Air Force Academy. Like, who's Kelvin, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not Kelvin Hobbs. Who's Kelvin? So I was trying to get my... How do they even know what absolute zero is and everything else? They don't know, do they? They just guess. 273 degrees. 273 degrees? Is zero Kelvin? Yeah, see, look, you're pretty smart. It's probably wrong. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> he said, it's, that's what I remember. I go, that's probably wrong. So <laughs> 70 years ago, you're not that old. Yeah, see, you're probably wrong. Yeah. <laughs> 70, 50, that's how I deal with my wife. So I was like, no, no, it's like, it's like 60 years ago. No, no, it's 59. She'll tell me, the, like, like, yeah, right, 60. So anyway, anybody else deal with that? That's just, that's my wife and I. So anyway, that's why I love her so much. If that's, 
So I'm trying to give you this vastness, really this infinite potential. I really believe that the anointing that we all have is, and then he says, I give you the ability to choose life or death. So whether we use this, our, really our internals, everything in us, whether we use it for good or bad, guess what? It's very powerful. It's very, uh, we create our own heaven and hell is what the early church said is hell wasn't this place where you went hell was this if you if you rejected who you really are and the love of the father it feels like it was it was as brad jerzak would say it's not ontological that was not a word i grew up in iowa saying but um did you in oklahoma did you use the word ontological <laughs> so i go okay brad i'm not as smart as you what does that mean it means it's not real it's not created it's the depravity it's the lack of light so that's to them, the early church, hell and, and darkness and, and uh, this really low feeling that we've all experienced, the depression, the anxiety, the everything that we've all experienced was just lack of light, lack of him, lack of love is really what it is. So anyway, that's why I go, hey, if you must believe in all the real, the real uh, darkness, if you think it's actually an external force, at least believe it's under your feet and you're seated at the right hand of the Father far above every other principle and power. Does, does that make sense? So I grew up with the spiritual warfare. You're beating down things and everything else. And I had to learn that because I had no idea anything that existed until I got saved. And I got saved like, now you got to worry about everything. It's like life just worked before when I didn't worry about anything. And I just thought, you know, God's got to be good because I'm still alive and I know I'm crazy. And so there's got to be a God. How many times do we say that? It's like stuff worked for us. Then we get saved. Now we got to battle the demons. It's over, guys. Whatever you believe about that, it's, the new creation has come. Paul says this, if any man be in Christ, the new creation has come. We're not waiting for anything. Got it? All right, so let's go to this next, uh, next slide. All right, this is, you guys, I, I want to give you the story here. Here's the picture. John the Baptist and Jesus are coming to the River Jordan, right, in different, different books, whether it's Matthew or Luke or whatever, and you're reading out of. John the Baptist sees Jesus, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the what? The world, the creation, the cosmos, literally in Greek is what it says. So he takes away the sin of the world, the sin of the cosmos. And you guys have heard me talk about this a lot. The old covenant are type and shadows of good things to come. The new covenant is the reality. Jesus is the reality. Jesus and you and I, this marriage union of us, is the reality, the real thing. What All these pictures are really about how glorious you are in your relationship and union with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The whole thing is about that, this new creation about you and I. And that's, Paul got it. He's like, don't you get it? All the pictures of the temple, all the feasts, everything's about you. You are the temple. You are, you are everything it's about. So anyway, it says in the Old Covenant, when the high priest and Jesus stepped in, or not Jesus, when the high priest and the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the River Jordan, the flood, which is always a picture of judgment and death, the flood backed up to a city called Adam, the first man. So the minute the high priest in the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant hit the River Jordan, the Old Covenant says, all the floodwaters went back to the first man and they walked across on dry ground. Cool? Okay, so that was pretty good, right? The whole, the whole when the, the lamb was slain, they crossed the Red Sea on what? Dry ground. The waters parted. The judgment, the water, everything parts, right? So they walked on dry ground. And the end of Revelation, as you heard me say a million times, that's why it says, and there's no sea. There's no more waters. There's no flood because it's all been dissolved in Christ Jesus. So anyway, so that's the, that's the background. So <clears throat> Jesus comes. So, but I wanted to start out John, the very John 7, 1. 
Uh, this is kind of interesting. After these things, Jesus walked into Galilee, for he did not walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. And different translation says, the, the Jews' feast of tabernacles was near. You guys know what the feast of tabernacles is? If you go look at the seven feasts, it was the last feast in the fall. And it was literally, they would build these Sukkots, these, these booths, basically, they called them. They would go live in them as a family. And there's still people that do it. I go, I don't care if you do it. Just know that it's a picture of something that's already done. You don't have to do it to be blessed by God. It's, it was a picture. So the Feast of Tabernacles was eight days long. And it literally means God tabernacles with man. man. God lives with man. Now, Jesus, when he's talking to disciples, he says, listen, I go to a place. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I will be with you. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you where there are many mansions, is what King James says, but it literally is abode. And guess who the abode is? We are. It's the same word as us, is he abodes in you. So the, literally, Jesus is, I, I think this is kind of cool because it's very prophetic what, what's going on. The Feast of Tabernacles was at hand, okay? And then if you skip down to, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles just to kind of give you the, the type and shadow of this. So if you skip down to verse 37, it says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, it's literally the very last day. It's the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the very last of the seven feasts in Jewish custom, okay? So on that day, the, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart or belly, depending on what translation. But if you look up the word, it's Strong's 2836, it's koilia, and it literally means your womb. Ladies, what happens in your womb? You birth things, don't you? So he goes, the creative ability is going to come out from your inner man, the womb. Now in the old covenant, when, when uh, Eve listen to twisted logic or the serpentine logic in the, in the garden, what happened? Death. When Mary hears the Holy Spirit and he says, among women, you're blessed. What did, I don't remember what it says. If I was Catholic, I'd remember. <laughs> What's it say? It says, among all women, you are blessed. Something like that, right? So she says, just as you say, Lord, be it unto me, Right? So when she hears the Holy Spirit versus the twisted logic, when she hears the Holy Spirit speak to her and says, you are blessed among women, what happens? When you realize you're blessed and you hear only the word that you're blessed, what happens? Christ himself, the Christ life is birthed in you. There's so much more than just Jesus being birthed in Mary in there. It's about all of us. We're always the bride, always the woman. So in the old covenant, the woman listened to the wrong thing. It's not you ladies, it's men and women because the bride is always feminine. When you listen to the wrong thing, death happens. You shall surely die. But when you listen to the right thing of the Holy Spirit, what happens? Life happens. The Christ's life is birthed in you. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, and I'll tell you about these. They had external ceremonies, but Jesus is telling them there, it's really all of a picture of what you're going to birth from inside your womb, in the belly, the midst of you, or whatever translation you see. So it says, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or heart, your hollow, this, this cavity there where you birth will flow rivers of living water, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, right? And then you guys know at Pentecost, he poured out his Spirit on all men. Now, was God present in every man before the Holy Spirit? Yes, because he's in and through and withholds all things. And really, that's kind of what the Old Covenant or the, the, the church fathers, they looked at this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as like Baxter likes to call it, perichoresis. I'm gonna see if I can get Baxter, not this week, but the next week, to jump on uh, 
uh, the Sunday night fellowship and stir some more stuff up. So <laughs> we're doing a good job. Online. But it's, you know, it's, it's so fun. All the people online, they're just like, they're, they're birthing Christ out of their life, which is really fun. So anyway, um, what was I going to say on there? Oh, so what the, what the early church fathers taught is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are in and through and withholds everything and really creates a space inside him, a womb, to birth all of us, birth creation out of. And that creation's in him. That's a head scratcher if you really get it. So he's in and through everything, but we're in him. All creation's in him is what the early church taught. So, and that was Paul's revelation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, not even death, because that's what everybody thought is the fear of death held them in bondage forever. But Jesus comes and he goes, there's only life. You listen to the wrong logic. You listen to the serpentine logic. There's one spirit. There's one body. And I've conquered death. Anything that looks like it's dying, I promise you, I'll bring life to it because he's the restorer. And we get to birth that out of us if we just simply understand. Cool? All right. So Matthew 3.16, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water we were, we were just talking about that. And behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. So the presence of God did what with him? It literally is tabernacle. It tabernacles on man. And behold, a voice from heaven said this, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now this is so key, guys. So if they said that about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What is he saying about you and I? You are beloved sons, and he's well-pleased with every one of you. Despite us, he's well-pleased with us. If we can get that, Ephesians 3, 19 and 20 starts to come alive in our life. It says, if you knew the length, the width, the breadth, the depth of my love for you, and those were the four corners, like the, the Hebrews always looked at the four corners. So the cross was the four corners. Uh, in Revelation, they talk about the four corners. He, Paul's just trying to put all that in there. If you, go, if you knew the, the height, the width, the length, the breadth, the depth, of my love for you, basically encompassing everything, the four corners of the, the creation, I will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can think or require. It all is based on love. When, he, when we realize this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Cool? All right. Let me tell you, I want to show you this. This is kind of neat about the, the Feast of Tabernacles. So why does Jesus stand up on that great day of the feast? Growing up, I, I'd read that a million times. I had no idea what the great day of the feast was. Did you? So anyway, it's the very last feast, and I was taught early on that, hey, Jesus fulfilled the spring feast, but the fall feasts are still coming. I actually taught that because that's what all the big guys were teaching me, and uh, I don't believe that at all. When Jesus says it's finished, he finished all of the feasts, right? Because he says if any, everything's about the new creation. If any man be in Christ, which he, that's the revelation, this, this thing that's been hidden for ages but is now revealed, which is Christ in you, this confident expectation that all the prophets, priests, everybody was waiting for is now reality in you and I. It's all about the restoration from the fallen mindset of us into getting revelation of who we really are in Christ as a son. And so anyway, I'm going to read this to you. The Feast of Sukkot or the Tabernacles or Booze, literally where man will tabernacle or live or abode with men. Cool? Does Scripture say over and over and over that he lives in you? Okay, then I think this is fulfilled, personally. And Jesus said it was. Today, this is fulfilled, right? The Feast of Tabernacles, known in Hebrews as Sukkot or Booz, uh, is called the ingathering, the other end of the year. And <clears throat> it was the last of the divinely appointed Moedim, sacred festivals. It was made to commence on the 15th day of the seven moon, five days after Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. The Jews were commanded to make little booths beside their houses to dwell in throughout the week of the feast so that they did do this in the present day. They also would... Uh, uh, you don't need to know any of that. That's no, kind of extraneous stuff. So... Um, the priests, for each, 
for each of the first seven days, because it was an eight-day-long uh, event, for the first seven days of the feast in Jerusalem, would go down to the pool of Siloam in a religious procession with large waters and jugs, and there at the pool of Siloam, they would fill their water jugs. Okay, Siloam, anybody know what that means? It literally means literally the sent one, and the pool of Siloam was a pool cut out of rock. It's all cool stuff to me. In the Old Covenant, when they were in the desert, where did they get their water? Out of the rock. Jesus is fulfilling all these things, right? <clears throat> so they went down to the pool of Siloam, which literally means the sent one, and it, the picture of it was a rock quarry that had water in it. So the priest would go down there seven days, bring these water jugs back, earthen jugs, filled with water. What's water a picture of? The Holy Spirit. Any you guys ever listen to the music group Jars of Clay? So he fills these bodies of clay with what? Himself. And seven times they do that. Seven's the number of completion. So Jesus is the fulfillment. So they, all these are pictures where they would go down for seven days and they'd fill clay vessels with water which is really, and then if they do it seven times, that means it's done, it's over, it's complete. Well, we're really the clay vessel that he fills with, fills himself. That's why Jesus, when he went uh, uh, to the big party, the governor, where they ran out of wine, right? And what does he tell them to do? Fill the water pots with water. The water pots were earthen vessels and they were used for ceremonial cleaning. So you, before you ate, you had to clean yourself from these, these water vessels. And then Jesus says, uh, fill it with water, which is what? The earthen vessels, you and I are going to be filled with water. And what's it going to turn into? Wine, this joy of the new covenant, right? And he says, you've saved the best wine to last. Who, who does that kind of thing? Well, God does, right? So anyway, it's kind of cool. That's just all types and shadows. If you, We miss all that typically in the West. So anyway, uh, this religious procession with large water jugs, and there in the pool of Siloam, they would fill the water jugs and come up the many steps to the Temple Mount, commemorating the long-expected anticipation of the promise given through the prophet Isaiah. So I was, I was reading you some of that. Isaiah 12, 1 and 4. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I praise you. you, you who were angry with me. Your anger is turned away. Was God ever angry with them? No. That's why Jesus came and he says, none of you guys missed, you guys all missed me. Nobody knows the Father. Let me tell you about the Father. You guys went away into Vegas, the prodigal son, prodigal son didn't think he was worthy to receive the blessing of the father anymore. What, and you guys know the story. He goes, the father is really like this. Before, before the son could even apologize, he says, put the best robe on, put the ring on, put the, the, the slippers on, come into the father's house. So anyway, they, they're getting pictures, but they don't quite get it. Jesus goes, Isaiah missed him. Moses missed him. Abra, your beloved Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob missed him. All of you guys missed him. He's way better than what you thought. So O Lord, I praise you, though you were angry with me, even though they weren't. Your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is, my, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. As they approached, as they approached with the water jugs, the people would burst forth and sing in the halal psalms, where we get hallelujah. And so that's Psalm 113 through 118. And as the people were praying, and that's literally, when, as he entered into Jerusalem, they were singing the halals. They were saying Hosanna, right? <clears throat> as the people were praising the Lord, they would pour out these water jugs upon the pavement. 
And as the water poured, they were reminded of how God miraculously provided water in the wilderness out of the rock. They went down to the pool of Siloam, the sent one, and got water out of a rock quarry. Cool? So they were reminded of how God miraculously poured water in, uh, water in the wilderness out of the rock. And on the eighth day, the last day, called the great day of the feast, the priests made no procession and poured no water on the pavement, as this too was very significant because it symbolized the fact that God had fulfilled the promise to the fathers. Seven days they did it, seventh perfection, so on the eighth day, there's no reason to do it anymore. It's a done deal, right? So that great day of the feast, Jesus, the priest, made no procession and poured no water into the pavement. This too was significant because it symbolized the fact that God had fulfilled the promise to the fathers. He had now brought them into this land that was well-watered, flowing with milk and honey. They no longer needed the miraculous supply out of the rock. It was on this day that Jesus stood up and cried out, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink who believes in me. And the scripture has said, Out of his womb will flow rivers of living water. It's also interesting to note that this was the day that they sang the marvelous halal psalm of praise, which concluded with this passage in Psalm 118.22. And you have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Is that pretty cool? So here they have all these things. You know, they, they poured out water from the pool of the sent one, carved out of a rock, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says. The anointing, the anointed one, is going to tabernacle with you. He's going to live with you. You won't be an orphan. He's going to abode with you. And they would sing these songs and go, you know what, Lord? So as they would pour out this water and wine, literally the priest would pour it out and it would roll under the, uh, it would roll back in. And they would have this huge celebration. It was really significant because they would go, pour out water so we have this magnificent harvest, so we have this magnificent blessing in our lives. That's what they were all praying for. And then on the eighth day, they would, if, if all the sacrifices were accepted for seven days, there was rest on the eighth day. And they knew they were blessed. They knew we're gonna, they were going to have a fantastic blessing in their lives. Their, their nation would be blessed. Their crops would be blessed. Everything they touched would be blessed. That is a picture of you and I. Amen? So Jesus says, listen, if any man thirsts, come to me because guess where you're going to birth all of this stuff? Out of your womb, out of your inner man. That's why he says the kingdom of God is not all these external things that you're looking at. It's a picture of a new creation. It's a picture of a reality that you are miraculously creative and you can birth life out of you. If you listen to the right thing about who you are, beloved son, perfectly loved, perfectly loved, completely loved, no record of wrong. Isn't that good news? If you stay on that, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, you'll birth life versus death out of you. Cool? All right, let's get to this last slide. Oh. See, I believe this. This is what I'm trying to get us, me, myself, all of you guys to really get is all those galaxies, these light years of creation, etc. It says it spans the universe with his hand. And he did it. He breathed these galaxies into existence. And word of faith gets kind of there but they start making it about you again, where you have to do enough, you have to fast enough, you have to pray enough. Uh, we were all taught the price of power. On the eighth day, they did nothing. They entered into the rest. They realized everything's finished. It's done deal. All of these magnificent promises of God's gonna bless us and bring us into the promised land. Milk and honey are gonna be flowing. Well, he said the external picture of that is really what's true about internally you. Out of your belly is gonna flow this beautiful new creation life out of your womb. You're going to birth it. Now, can you birth death too? Yeah, you can. We all do it. At least I do. Maybe you guys don't. I do every now and then. You start thinking on the wrong thing, 
right? And guess what? He starts to birth. That's why we were talking about last week. It says, bring every thought to the obedience of the Messiah, the anointed one. Don't let any fallen mindset that you're less than God, that you don't deserve to be blessed, that you don't deserve this, you're not worthy of this blessing, you're not worthy to be healed, you're not worthy to be restored. All that's garbage. It says, take, when those thoughts come, take those thoughts captive, meaning don't let them go anywhere because they'll ultimately hold you captive. They'll ultimately start to destroy you. We destroy from within and we create life from within, out of our womb, our belly, the inner man. I think you guys are getting this, right? Okay, so all the anointing, the creative power that put the galaxies into existence, that, that butterfly nebula, 230,000 degrees Celsius is how hot that is. 7,500 light years from Earth, I think. I'm doing it by memory. Maybe that was the Mystic Mountain. I don't remember. You get the point. It's like magnificent. And this was, David was kind of getting an idea of like who is, all of that's, you, you're that creative, you're that glorious, you're that beautiful, yet you pay attention to me? And he only got part of it because then Jesus comes in and goes, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen all the God hidden in a body. And guess what? As you look at me, you're looking at yourself as in a mirror. Cool? That's good news to me. That's news. I'm trying to... And my brain starts to go, I wonder who the Yankees or Red Sox are winning. So it's like, it's so much more glorious than what, what we, our minds do every now and then. Right? So... All the creative power. Think about that. He breathed it into his existence is what it says. He, he ruached it. He breathed it. So when we, everything that has breath, we breathe him. We, as we speak, we create. As we think, we create. It's coming out of our inner man. So all the creative power that put the galaxy in existence dwells within. We don't need to work up the anointing. That's what I was telling you. On the eighth day, they did nothing because you're completing Christ, lacking nothing. The sent one, this promise of all these magnificent things dwells within. The kingdom is within, is what Jesus said. All these external things are just a picture of you. That's cool to me. So it comes from within and realizing we don't have to get there. We already are in full union of the anointed one. So all of those magnificent promises where they could, they could speak and things would happen. They could, they could go into the presence of the Father at all times. And even that's, it's way better than the Old Testament pictures because the high priest would go in to meet with the Father we're, we got it way better, guys. We used to think, I remember we would always think this in the Word of Faith. We were going, man, it was way easier back then. They just, they just slayed a lamb and everything good happened to them, right? We got to do all this stuff now. There's really a picture. We got the thing better, right? All we need to do is go, hey, this is who we are. This, we're in Christ, nothing lacking, because it looks like in the Old Covenant, if they accepted the lamb, their prayers were answered. Well, has the lamb been accepted? Then your prayers are answered. That's what he says. Before you even asked, I've said yes. So who, where's the hang-up? Our wrong thinking, our Adamic thinking, the first man, that fallen mind thinking that thinks we have to work up the anointing, thinks we have to work up faith, all that stuff. It's garbage is what he says. You're one with me. You're in union with me. And I'm, I'm, I just pray, that's what Paul's prayer too, is all creation is groaning, waiting for us to wake up and realize we're sons, that the son of man, which all of us are, are truly birthed out of God the Father himself. Cool. I love it. So your beloved children of the Father, he's well pleased with you, just like he told Jesus. When the Holy Spirit came, he said, everybody heard the voice, this is my beloved son, I'm well pleased. Guess what? You're loved unconditionally, and he's well pleased with you. Oh, that's great news for me. I don't know about you guys, but that's great news for me. And every one of us, I know, I'm kind of saying that rhetorically, but some people think they're pretty good. Uh, they're all that in a bag of chips. I'm going, praise God, it's not about me. It's about him. So the same anointing, the same breath that put the galaxies into existence is living and breathing through us. So when we speak, when we 
when we pray, when we intercede for others as a priest, or even ourselves, we're the high priest of our own body, our own temple, what happens? It's if Jesus himself is doing it. All that creative ability is in us. It's birthed inside of us. So I know for the longest time, how many books of prayer did we read? This prayer, this, oh man. All these books about prayer, and all we really needed to know is when you pray, it's already done. Ask you, shall receive so that you can be my joyful bride. Pretty cool to me. That's really all it is. is it's really just working on the inner man going, you know what? I'm not trying to work it up. I'm, it's really just, Lord, give me revelation that I'm one with him. Who's my real identity? As I look at Jesus, Jesus just showed us what redeemed man looks like. Redeemed. He always deemed us worthy to have dominion. And he just did it again. Redeemed. And you guys heard me talk about that at Easter. He paid the bride's price. The only thing valuable enough to show you how valuable you are is he gave everything, all creation for you. That was his dowry. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. So, the same anointing, the breath that put the galaxies in existence as living, breathing through us, we're infinitely creative and bring forth life from our womb or within. That's what Jesus prophesied. This, this. See, here's the, here's the really, and science gets this, which I think is so neat, is science says there's this infinite amount of possibilities that operates in love and gratitude. As soon as we stop out of love and gratitude, everything starts to fall apart. We start to experience death. Science gets this. They're going, it's, I think it's kind of, so you get, we came out of a science background, the engineers, their, their specialty is not necessarily, oh, I'm this ooey-gooey agape love person, but they get it. They're going, all creation is infinite possibility. Oh, in fact, Martin, what did you just tell me? That was really cool. Give me that again. About the, they, they, have, they don't have the sensors on the bottom. Okay, let me, let me translate so, uh, so people online can hear too. So we have no way of seeing what the stars look like in the southern hemisphere because we don't have sensors there, right? right? We have the, the northern hemisphere, and what a company did was is take the northern hemisphere stars. So everything we're, we're, we're viewing is northern hemisphere, right? All right? Okay. This is NASA and everything else. So they just, they mimicked, they basically copied what the northern hemisphere looked like to go, this is what we project the southern hemisphere. And, and then away, way, 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 like oh, that's the, new, that's the new telescope thing. I was just reading about that, where they basically made the whole creation a telescope, right? And so they don't have all these sensors. This might be way, some of you guys are going, this is crazy talk. Um, I think I love this stuff. You understand that? Yeah, me too. Uh, when he said it, I got chills. I, oh, that's so cool. So they, they basically extrapolated the data and said, this is what we think it looks like, right? Because we, we don't have the sensors to look at it. And what, any guesses what you think they saw? Sine waves. You haven't told me what you want to be yet. That's quantum physics. What we want it to be is what it'll be. I've given you the ability to choose life and death. Go look up double slot experiment if you don't get it's, it's That's what it is. When, you, when, they, when they view it, when they expect an outcome, it is exactly what they expect. When they don't put a, a microscope on it to expect, what does it do? Sine wave. And you can't, it's so cool to me. Anyway, 
If you don't get it, don't worry about it. It means you have infinite creative ability in you. You can birth things out of you, life or death. So let's, let's birth life. That's what we're, there, we're for the display of his splendor. Not just for us, guys. We're to be the intercessor for other people. We're the high priest for people. Even though they are a high priest of their own temple, guess what? We can step in as a priest, those old covenant pictures, and pray for them. And things happen, right? Not because you're supernatural, because you fasted all day. You're supernatural because you're in him and one with him in the anointing. Supernatural should be natural. That's what Romans is talking about. All creation's waiting for us to wake up to who we truly are. The sons of man are the sons of the Father. All right, you got it? Okay, so Jesus came to reveal our true identity in him and show us what sonship looks like. So he didn't come as just the example, you know, all the bracelets. What would Jesus do? He came as us, is what it says. This is what redeemed man looks like. I've given you a picture. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, and you've seen what the fullness of a God in flesh, incarnate. The Spirit abides or tabernacles with flesh. What is that a picture of? Jesus is a picture of us. What it looks like to have heaven and earth meet, have the spirit and flesh meet. That's what the tabernacle, the temple to a Jew meant. That's where heaven and earth meet. That's why it says, until heaven and earth pass away, nothing's happening. Go read it. It's pretty fascinating. So how we're taught, has heaven and earth passed away? It basically says, until heaven and earth pass away, you're still in the old covenant. Well, if we're still in the old covenant, we need to be slaying lambs, right? Right? It says, once the heaven and earth pass away, then all that's going to happen. They looked at it as that the old temple system passes away. Did the old temple system pass away? Yes, it passed away in AD 70. The new heaven and earth is what? You and I. Where divinity meets flesh. We're the incarnate. The fullness of God. If, we, if they look at every one of you, you're a beloved son, well loved by the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, as if it's looking at Jesus in a mirror. That's where the light, we're the, we're, the, we're the light, we're the salt is what he says. But if you lose your salt, if you don't understand, it's not worth anything, right? Cool? Okay, get to your feet because I, I want you to pray. That's really what I wanted to get to. <laughs> I'm just trying to show you. So guess what? That all of that creative ability that creates tens of thousands, probably millions of light years is in you. So Jesus came to reveal our true identity in him and show us what sonship looks like. It's so many people I see, like, oh, we had this miracle. I, don't, I think it has nothing to do with the miracles. You know, I'm not chasing miracles. Miracles just, just be life that we birth. What, what true sonship looks like. So I don't, want it to, I don't want to people go, man, that was a great miracle. Because in most of our minds, that excludes a lot of people. Like, oh, I could never do that. And what he's trying to show is, every one of you have the ability to do this. Because the anointing in the old covenant is now within you. And you can birth. You can birth life or death. So let's birth life. Let's birth life for us. Let's birth life for people, right? So it's not about the miracles. We're not chasing miracles, guys, even though they're fun, aren't they? They're pretty fun. We were, this lady we were talking to today, we were talking about some of it. And, but at the same time, I was telling Barbara, I go, man, I'm so tired of all that talk, though. You know, like, are you spirit-filled? Yeah, and so is the Muslim. He just doesn't get it. That shocks him, like, because they think they're special. They've, they've reverted right back to Old Covenant theology. I'm in, you're out. Which is what Jesus came to go, hey guys, the neighbor, he who, here's how you're going to know if you love your neighbor as yourself. And that was the person who the, the Jews considered outsiders. So how are they going to know today? By their fruit, if they love their neighbor as themselves. Got it? 
So, but anyway, I understood her language because I used to talk like that. You a believer? You spirit-filled? She fell down. No, it's... <laughs> I should have. Barb could have come with her cloth and covered her up. So, uh, see, I think it's way better than that. I think it's... And we all did that, and by the grace of God, it still worked. I mean, how many miracles did we see? Crazy stuff. Cancers healed, all kinds of stuff. Healed, healed night and day. And I'm sure God's kind of like, uh, yeah, okay. That's what you're going to give me? That, it still works. I totally believe that now. I'm going, good Lord, thank God we don't have to do that. We just be. It's not about the miracles. It's about birthing life out of us by believing, speaking, seeing, feeling what's already true about us and what's true about every human being, right? What's a better way to be a salt and light but to intercede for them and, and us? Cool? So it's not about the miracles, but it's bringing, if we know how much we're loved, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If we knew how much God loves us as participating in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he will birth out of us through our right beliefs exceedingly abundantly beyond what we think or ask. We birth it out of our womb, the inner man. Rivers, rivers of living water come out. Follow me? Ah, so whatever, <coughs> excuse me, whatever's going on, let's just pray because when we pray, what happens? Exceedingly abundantly beyond what we think or ask. So Father, we just thank you that we're the creation that all of the apostles, all of the prophets we're speaking about is this new man in Christ, this revelation that we're one. We're a joint heir of Jesus Christ and the anointings within has nothing to do with outside. Those are all types and shadows of fantastic things to come, which is just a reality of us. That when he poured out his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, it was really a revelation that we're sons. He gave us the spirit not of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. We can think correctly. We don't, we're not thinking out of that fallen mindset that we're inferior and somehow less than him. As that's, that old covenant thinking that old man is gone He's given us a spirit that says, Abba, where we cry out, we're sons. Daddy, we're sons. That's the spirit he poured out on all flesh. So, Father, we just thank you for that. that we, as we speak, the same breath that created the galaxies that flung the stars into existence, as we speak, is as if he, through the anointing, speaking through us. So, Father, we thank you for supernatural blessings over all these people's lives. We thank you for supernatural restoration in marriages, in their businesses. We thank you for supernatural ideas that we can expect it. It's this beautiful expectancy that we birth life by simply just agreeing with what God's already said. Before they've even asked, you've said yes, so that we can be joyful brides lacking nothing. And we just thank you for all of that. We thank you for the, the healing that they already deserve. Their bodies are healed in Jesus' magnificent name. Thank you, Father, that any any thing that needs to be restored is restored in divine speed. Father, we just thank you that things happen miraculously and it's not even a miracle. It's just Christ's life that we get to birth out of us. And we just say thank you for that. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for the, all these people's lives that things continually just be radically blessed in you. And that the same anointing that was in Jesus is in them. Everything that was attracted to Jesus is attracted to them because the anointing within them. And we can ask of the Father and step back just like that beautiful picture that we don't have to know how, how, actually how it works is when we ask, we get to step back We've told it what to be, and you perform. And it's so beautiful to trust an infinite love greater than ourselves to bring it all to pass. We just say thank you in Jesus' magnificent name. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.